you're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Wonderful to see you today. We're in a series uh, called Making Room. Today is part uh, three. And I'd uh, really encourage you to look back uh, and catch up on podcasts, uh, the previous two talks, as we lay the foundation for what we're going to share today. And our foundational scripture is found in John 14. So you just want to turn there briefly, just going to read a few verses. It says in John 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place, the way to the place where I am going. God is inviting us as a church, we believe, to make room. We want to make room in our church for more people so that they eventually find a room in God. And uh, in the last couple of weeks, we talked about how we felt the Lord was inviting us to make room first and foremost in our hearts, that actually we needed to process this internally before we talk about the external things, that we need to make room in our minds with creativity, with time, conceptually, we need to make room in our hearts. Secondly, we would be marked by humility. That when we talk about making room, when we talk about anything to do with growth, then first and foremost, we need to be a people marked by humility. And the gateway to humility is through serving. That if you look at the life of Jesus, you see this interplay between humility and serving. You can't have one without the other. And these concepts have laid the foundation to some exciting news that we would love to share with you today. But before I do, spill the suspense, <laughs> last Sunday evening we had an amazing baptism service. Um, it's hard not to cry listening to the stories. And so uh, what we want to do today is just show you a brief clip of just a few of those stories. Um, and so if you'd like to look to the screen, uh, we'll show Before some I found stories. Jesus, life was really gloomy and I often struggled to get through the day. I had anxiety and I tried to find my identity in what I looked like. I tried different labels as a teenager but always felt incomplete. I was worried about so much that was happening and I didn't enjoy life at all. During the pandemic, I started to realize how much I valued my church community and then I found my way back to God. There wasn't really a distinct time that I remember I decided to go all in, but I remember one day Jesus showed me it didn't matter what I looked like. What matters is what's inside. I was created in God's image and that's where my identity is found. Jesus has been my rock in sixth form over the past two years when times have been stressful. I found the identity he gave me through him and now life looks so much brighter. I started living for him and he's relieved me of my anxiety. 
I've prayed to find a Christian community for the last couple of years. Since I got to university, Jesus has blessed me with the most amazing community of people, and I feel so honored to be friends with these incredible people. I've also fallen in love with this church, and it really does feel like I'm finally home. The first time I came to Vineyard about a month ago, I felt the happiest I'd ever been, and I just couldn't stop crying. Um, I'm Amin, and I'm from Iran. So um, I was born to a relatively religious family. My parents were Muslim, and I became Muslim automatically when I was born. I had to practice my religious duties as I grew, so I had no choice, and it didn't make sense to me. I worship a God without any knowledge nor understanding of who he was. Since childhood, I was told to fear God. I had many questions, but no answers. The demands of Islamic duties were excessive. I had no calmness, no peace. I wanted to worship a God that I could know. I was empty and hopeless, so I stopped practicing. After a long time, when I kind of identified myself as an agnostic person, I came to UK. Then I met other Iranians, especially Adris, and they invited me to come to church with them, where I met Andy, who told me about Jesus and his God, and they explained the Christian faith to me. I learned the forgiveness, love, and hope of Jesus, who came to forgive our sin. During this time, with their help, I was able to fully feel the presence of Jesus in my heart, and I found a way to know his wonderful peace. This peace was only due to the presence of Jesus in my heart, as in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I ask the Heavenly Father of Jesus Christ to always accompany me in this journey so that so that I can be a good child for him, because being a child of Jesus means living with him, and that means salvation. Amen. Um, those that know me know that I'm a huge overthinker, and I've been going over and over in my head how best to describe how I've made it to this moment in my faith journey, and I found the only way I could sum it up is that I've come home. And I know that's a little bit trite with a massive home sign behind me, uh, but for me it's the truth. I grew up in the church, I was christened as a baby, went to Sunday school and youth group, I joined the music group and became part of a planning team for youth events as well as going to any and all Christian festivals and anything else I could get involved in. I lived and breathed the church, I was on fire for God. And then 9-11 happened, my nana got cancer and my mental health plummeted me into a pit of depression. I walked away from Jesus, I couldn't fathom how such a loving God could let such atrocities happen. So I went my own way, and it was easy to walk away until the only place I wanted to walk was off a bridge. I'd lost my worth and buried myself beneath guilt and shame at how I was living my life and the choices I had made. How could God want me now? I was broken, damaged, and worthless. I hardened my heart and built giant walls around myself as I thought that would protect me from further hurt. I centered my life on myself, trying to satisfy my own wants and desires, and ultimately wanting to fit in with those around me but I wasn't born to fit in, I was born to stand out. My walls started to crumble just before lockdown as I realized something was missing, it was Jesus. He came after me with his reckless, never-ending love. One of my favorite parables is of the lost sheep. Jesus left the 99 to save the one. The one was me and Jesus saved me. He is the reason I am still alive today and I want to commit to following him and sharing his love with others for the rest of my life. Wasn't that just amazing? And that there is a very small but 
extremely powerful illustration of the why. I'm going to share some vision with you uh, this morning, but that kind of summarizes everything I want to say. This is why we exist as a church, for those people and for those stories. And more and more people are finding God and finding home here at the Hall Vineyard Church. So in, in light of that, we want to formally announce that in February 2024, in three months' time, we will be adding a third service to our Sundays. Oh, that's great. Uh, let's just pray now. That's, that's, don't need to convince you. Two in the morning and one in the evening. And I think this is a really significant moment that we are stepping into as a church. This year, and we'll mark this and celebrate this in, uh, in a few weeks in November, is our 30th birthday as a church. And it's also three years in December where Joni and I became the pastors here at the church. And we've always communicated and shared that the first three years would be years of transition. And the number three has a deep prophetic significance to Joni and I. I just want to, a number of you may have heard this story. We have a lot of new people come to our church every single week. We've got like another 20 people at our homecoming lunch today. And so uh, we never tire of telling stories because it's important. And I remember in 2017, uh, God spoke to, to, to us and said that over the coming years, I want you to remember the number three. Now, uh, if you know me, I don't do numerology. It's just not something I'm into. And so I kind of dismissed it as just I had too much uh, pizza the night before. And uh, I felt the whisper of, of the Holy Spirit remind me of all the house numbers uh, of the house I've, I've lived in, in, in Hull. And uh, every single one of them, there was four to that point, had the number three in them. And I, what we, we got a new house in 2021, and that house had the number three in it. We saw 25 houses. And uh, even if I loved it, if it didn't have the number three in it, we weren't buying it. And, um, no, that's a joke. And uh, when, when God spoke to me about this, um, all hell broke out over our lives. It was an horrendous few months. But a few months later, in 2018, uh, one of our children was born. And she was the, the third child uh, born that day. She was the third birth of the day after two emergencies. She was born on the 13th of the third. She weighed 3.33 kilograms. She was born at 13.13, and she was 33 on the percent chart, percentile chart. And everyone thought, Joni had given birth to the Messiah. <laughs> but I told them the Messiah had come, and he was called Jesus Christ. And the number 30 in the Bible has many angles to it. But there's a sense of maturity to the number 30 and the beginning of ministry. Both John the Baptist and Jesus started their ministries at the age of 30. Saul became king of Israel at 30. David succeeded Saul at 30. Joseph became prime minister at 30. Is anyone celebrating their 30th birthday this year? Oh, Emily, awesome, that's brilliant. <laughs> 
We'll, we'll pray for you afterwards. And there's a sense of uh, kind of as a church that actually, though we have been going for 30 years, that this is the beginning, that this is a new chapter, that this is a new era for us. It's a sense of we've reached a level of maturity so that we can handle all that is to come for us. So in three months' time, and this is coincidental, our third service will start. And it really feels like God is setting us up as a church. Like the stage is set and now it's down to serious business. The foundations have been laid, the electrics have been wired, the plumbing has been installed. Now the home will be built, the rooms will be furnished, and people will come from all over the place. And here they will find home. They will find room for them, many rooms for them. And the journey for us really started in January. Uh, if you remember, Steve Nicholson came. And uh, Steve just is a difficult person to be around because he challenges you all the time. Uh, I'm privileged to be mentored by Steve, but I only have Zoom calls with him every few months because I have a breakdown every time I speak to him for an hour. And so he's got a prophetic edge where he just stirs things in you. And when he came in January, I, we told him about the Hope Center that we were, uh, we were going to a vision series and, and going to be building that. But he felt that uh, our next stage for us as a church is that we would be a church of a thousand people and that we need to go to a third service now. Even in January, he felt that there isn't room for people who come. And um, people get, can I just say this for a moment, people get obsessed with numbers. But we shouldn't um, get obsessed with numbers, but we should be obsessed with reaching people. And numbers represent people. And God is always interested in the next one. And so we should always live in this tension. First, Jesus is the chief shepherd, and we lead and disciple not to replace him and his work. This is his church. He gets to do whatever he wants with his church, and he gets all the glory with whatever happens in this church. And we want to leave, and I love that testimony, we want to leave the 99 to pursue the one. We're willing to leave it all behind. We're willing to leave our our comfort zones, our convenience. We leave the 99 to go after the one. We're relentless in pursuing the one. But we are equally faithful with the one. And today, all of us here are made up of ones. And so we need to go after the one, but we need to also faithfully care for, love, and serve the one. So we're constantly in the culture of our church, reaching and building, reaching and building. It's not either or, it is both and. And this is our priority, and therefore, if it's our priority, it shapes our diaries, it shapes our time, it shapes our finances, it shapes our prayers. This is our church. And so as Steve talked about this, and we have had a number of other prophetic words throughout the year regarding this, I said to him, um, no way can we add a third service now. And we're very much focusing on, on the Hope Center. We need to do one thing at a time. 
and um, we've got all this stuff planned for a whole year, particularly with our focus on mission and everything that we're seeing with that. And I, was, I think I'd be only comfortable if we added probably another 50 people before we went into a third service, and we've probably added about another 100 since then. So we've been working hard behind the scenes and uh, been careful to lead with wisdom and monitor our growth and respond uh, in a way which wouldn't burn out our church. Um, if you've, um, the staff will tell you is that I'm, I'm someone who is always about the next thing. I love to catalyze, I love to pioneer. It must drive my staff mad because in my mind we've almost, uh, the Hope Center's bill is done, we're on to the next thing. And it's like that with everything that we do in our church. And so it's really important that we, we uh, lead as a team, that we're listening to people, is that we're looking at our levels of energy and can we really resource something and uh, look at how we do this well. But we feel now that since Steve came in January and this will happen uh, the first weekend of February, that that will be a year. So it's not like we've rushed this through. And so um, there's some key factors as to the why, why we're here. I think the first thing to note is that um, this month alone, we have averaged 500 people in our Sunday services every single week. You take our morning gathering, this is like a half-term Sunday. This is usually one of those uh, Sundays which there's a real dip in our attendance, many people away, and yet we're pretty full in here. The car park is pretty full, and we're bursting at the seams. And um, we still have some space, I would say, in our auditorium, but it's definitely over 80% full, which is a key, key marker in terms of when something feels full and when people come and they think that there's no room for them. The car park, as I say, is pretty full, but most pressing in all of that is our kids and our youth. It is at a point where some weeks we've had to turn people away. And as for, uh, if you know Joni and I in our hearts, that is like not good at all. Okay, that is the last thing we ever want to say to people. We would rather get in the car, go home, put something on the screen and uh, not have people come here. And so that is a, a really pressing thing for us. And there's a threat to our, to our ratios, to our room dynamics and capacities and indeed and most importantly, to safeguarding. And um, we'll be talking more on this actually next year, but safeguarding to us as a, as a church is incredibly important. It's the highest priority. Uh, take the cafe, uh, for instance, after this morning's service, just for a time of community, of fellowship, for chatting, to encourage one another, to pray for one another. I, I think it's bordering on a health and safety issue. And so you've got people walking around with you know, hot coffee and there's kids around. And um, even me, and I'm an, I'm an extrovert, and I'm thinking, I, I, I don't know how to cope with this. I just need to go and find a corner somewhere. And I, I don't think that's a healthy environment when we're thinking about uh, other people. And so as we consider these things, uh, we don't want people bouncing off us as we grow. We don't ever want to turn people away. 
And that might not mean in, in necessarily in terms of like our kids' church, but it could be in a sense of feel. That if you were to come here and you were just running a little bit late and you come and it's just so full, is, I, I think it's easy for people to have a mentality, especially if they're just coming back to church or they're new to church, that there isn't room for me here. This is just too much for me. And so we don't want people bouncing off us. We don't want to turn people away. We don't want an attitude of this. Is that for us all sat here today, that it's okay we got here just in time. That we uh, arrived at Hull Vineyard Church in 2023 and we got here just in time. We got our place. We got our seat. We're good. And uh, someone else, everyone else is just going to have to go to another church. And if... Let me just say this in parenthesis, if you know again the, the hard work uh, we've put in behind the scenes for church unity, you'll realize that a lot of the time I'm suggesting other churches to people. Uh, this isn't something about um, churches like ours can be accused of empire building. And that's certainly something we would never want to do. We love the church in our city. We love the diversity of the churches in our city. And it's important that people just find home. And the city carols is just one symptom of our heart, what we pioneered there, of saying to the churches in our city, we're in this together. And I think it's amazing that, you know, over 20 churches have come on board for that event. And this is just the beginning. We uh, don't want our current church family to not feel valued and not made to feel at home. So this isn't just about people who will come here. We're talking about you and I. You and I feeling like this is still our home and there is space for you, that you're not being squeezed out by other people. We don't want those who are vulnerable to be exposed and missed in our congregation. And it's so easy to do that in a crowd. Let me just ask you this, what if those currently on our Alpha course, and as a couple of weeks ago we had 120 guests at our Alpha course, and many of those are exploring faith, but what if those from Alpha, or indeed those who we bring to Christmas carols, decide to make a decision to follow Jesus, or just even be on the journey of faith and start to come to our church here, there would be no room for them currently as we have things. Ultimately, we will do whatever we can for people to connect with and follow Jesus. And I believe for us as a church family and community, this is one of those what-if moments. You may be thinking of a bunch of reasons why this isn't a good idea. But I believe that this is an opportunity for us to grow. And I understand for many of us, change and transition is, is difficult. Many of us don't like change and transition. It's uncomfortable. It's stretching. But it's ultimately how people grow. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. But I just want to give you an illustration through the growth of a lobster. Anybody heard of the of this analogy, I think it's really, really helpful just to kind of picture this. You know, when a lobster grows, it breaks out of its shell. 
And that involves risk and making itself vulnerable. It takes time. And when the lobster has gone through its growth spurt, it's bigger and stronger than before. And the lobster's hard shell doesn't grow, it can't grow, but the lobster itself does. So when the lobster gets so big that its shell becomes uncomfortable, it breaks out and a new soft shell appears. And what it does is it waits under a rock until its new shell is hard and safe enough for it to step out into the big, wide world. And so every growth we experience in life involves two primary moments that we all process differently, depending on our perspective, our emotions, and our discipleship. Some people who may be wired like me will uh, ask the question, John, why are you taking so long with the church family to communicate and process such a thing? You may have just thought, okay, great, we're adding another service, I'm on board, brilliant. But it's because all of us journey through change and growth in different ways, for lots of different reasons. And for me, thinking about the one, I always want to make sure that every single person is on board and has come on the journey with us. But there are two primary moments that we all process. First of all, there's a season of vulnerability, like that lobster going under the rock, a season of vulnerability. In the days the lobster hides under a rock without its shell, it is vulnerable for attack. So vulnerability in anything in life is a key component of risk. Just think about um, a new relationship. You may have been hurt before, and there's a vulnerability. So in that, in communicating and giving of your love to another, there is a great risk that you may get hurt in the process. And so all of us go through these seasons of vulnerability, which is why we create a risk aversion to change in our lives. We'd rather stay where we're at rather than embrace vulnerability in order to grow. The second thing is a season of restructuring. When the lobster changes internally, it has to change its shell. And so as we grow the shell, the structure needs to adjust and change and often be removed. And so a season of vulnerability and a season of restructuring. These two things go hand in hand whenever we have growth in our personal lives, in our family's life, and indeed communities like the church. And so I'm keenly aware that this moment is on the absolute surface, worst case scenario uh, for some of you today, this news, is either you're gonna turn up to church a little bit earlier or come to church a little bit later. That's it on a basic level. And so uh, if you come to the first service, you may think, okay, that's great. I uh, get to go to Bridlington earlier and enjoy Brid for the rest of the day. For some of you who will come to the second service, you think, oh, okay, well, normally I just have time for cornflakes, but I get to have a nice fry-up. <laughs> I can even go to a local cafe and then just roll up to church afterwards. And so that's it on a very, very basic level. But just going a little bit below the surface, for some of us, it will mean this thought, I might not get to see or speak to everyone at one go. 
Now, I think it's really hard to do that, like now, as I say, because it's so full. But this is just the perception, this idea that we don't get to see everyone in one service. And so one of the ideas for that is you can attend one and serve another or congregate in between the two services in our cafe by staying later or coming earlier. So there are ways to see everyone. We've just got to be a little bit creative. It means for a season that sense of fullness and momentum is dialed down a little bit in our church services. And we have some ideas of how we're not going to allow that to happen. And ultimately, we believe that our environments are all about having the presence of the Holy Spirit at the center of our gatherings. That is why we're here, because of Jesus. But I understand, take, um, you know, if you go to a football stadium and it's full and everyone's passionate and chanting, it is a great atmosphere as opposed to a stadium that is half empty. And so we understand the dynamics of that. And some people may feel that sense of fullness and momentum is dialed down. And also, finally, for you, the 10 a.m. might just be that perfect time in your calendar. You may leave here and think, I don't want to go to the early service, I don't want to go to the late service, because 10 a.m. just fits around my schedule. And of course, I can't really do anything about that. That's just something, like a lobster, you're going to have to journey through and process. But what if, let me come back to that question, what if, what if this was an opportunity for blessing, influence, and revival. Do you know, this year, um, we've had a number of people who've just visited us, or just joined us, and prophetically, they've come to us and all said the same thing, is that we as a church need to get ready for revival. We need to get ready for what God is to do among us. What if this was an opportunity for blessing, influence, revival, and we're creating room for, for that? Imagine, like we've watched in that video of baptisms, imagine how many more people are going to find faith because there's room being made available for them. Imagine all those who will return to faith and church. Imagine those who will come home because we have created space. Imagine for all of us here the new friendships the new people, the new relationships, the new businesses. Imagine, this is really important for Joni and I with four kids, uh, one of our children, all our children meeting their spouse here, their future spouse, because we created room. I do believe in arranged marriages. <laughs> Talk to me about that, if you can, in the cafe afterwards. Imagine the person that we've been praying for at work arrives. Imagine the new people who will bring energy and life and variety and be a blessing to our church congregation. What if the blessings outweigh all the challenges? And so, what if? But here are some of the alternatives that we're faced with. As a church, as a church leadership, as a team, number one, we don't do anything. We see where we're going, we hear the sense of what God is saying, everything seems to line up, and yet we choose to not do anything. We don't risk. Secondly, we build an extension. 
So that's gone through our process and our thought. Do we just knock everything through here and build an even bigger auditorium and cafe? Two issues with that. Money. And it's important we get the Hope Centre built first. And secondly, that doesn't solve the kids and the youth issue. Thirdly, we plant. We could plant a couple of congregations, and we started a site, which is amazing, uh, out in the West Villages, and we had nearly 50 there, last, including children, last Sunday. We do that once a month. But we're, we're in no place right now to plant one or two congregations. We're just not ready. There's not a sense of God speaking to us about that. The leaders aren't in a place where we can release that, although we have that in our hearts. And as, um, if you've heard our vision before, we felt like God spoke to us about creating rooms in our city in, so that people find home. And one of the ways we want to do that is through multi-site church. We want to do that through planting other congregations and other churches. And so I think after this next step with the three services, we will hopefully be in a better place to plant uh, our first um, or t- one or two multi-sites in our city permanently. Or finally, we do what we are doing. And for me, it's needed. It's like with the Hope Center, you know, um, we painted a vision for that, but actually if you just to look at all that God was doing with compassion, if you look at all the prams and the cots and everything on our balcony and we're short on storage space and room, is that we realize we need to create space, we need to build a Hope Center for our compassion to grow and to thrive. It's needed, there doesn't seem to be another choice and it is Logical. Let me share a simple illustration with you. Can you imagine, after weeks of prayer, you invite a work colleague to our church, and then, unbeknown to you, they decide to come. They have a family of six. They're not used to the rhythm of Sunday morning church attendance. They're running late. It's chaos in the house. They drive by Vulcan Street twice because they're looking for a church which looks like a church with a steeple, and ours looks more like Ikea, and they keep going up and down Clough Road, and then they arrive 10, 15 minutes late. And they go to our kids' check-in, they come here, and there is no room for them. An experience like that can put them off church for life, and indeed God, and has eternal consequences. Imagine you meet them at work the next day, and they share with you that story that they came to your church, and that was their experience. What I've discovered, church, is that every new step of faith for us really results in adventure, blessing, and favor. And next week, I kind of want to answer some of the more detailed questions that you might have and share some other important things. But I just want to finish with just a handful of really basic headline details, okay? So the first thing, the times. The first thing, the service times will be 9.30, 11.15, and 6 o'clock. There we go. There's the three times, 9.30, 11.15, and six o'clock. We can adjust those times 
uh, really at any time if we feel that um, it's not working exactly how we wanted or as we're running through the services that it was struggling a little bit. But we think right now that that is the best times for us. The evening service, I know this is a question that some people have asked as they've I've dropped hints about us doing this over the last few months, is uh, yes, evening service, we have like a, s- a separate congregation uh, gather on an evening. We have a little bit of overlap with team, but mainly it's a completely separate congregation. And so that will continue to happen. And, um, but we do that in term time only. So we've been doing that really since COVID, just term time only. So that works out six, seven months of the year, which I think will also help with our resourcing of things. It will be exactly the same service. So in our two morning services, there will be kids and youth church, as well as adult church, and it will be exactly the same. So it won't be like, you know, youth is at, say, the, the 11.15. No, there'll be a, at both those services. The, our cafe will be serving before the 9.30, during the two services, and afterwards. Because we think it's absolutely imperative and key that people have an opportunity to have community and to connect with each other. We have been given an extra car park. So, uh, I actually forgot to say one really important thing, (laughs) and it was this. One of the reasons we actually don't have a choice is that when we build the Hope Center, which um, I expect will be in 2024, um, we'll be having work done out there, and so our car park space will be even smaller. So we'd probably really not have any choice but to do a couple of of morning services. Um, But with that in mind, um, opposite, um, as you come out of Vulcan Street, there's the police station. Next to the police station, uh, there is a building called K3. There's a car park in there, and they have kindly given us their car park to park on a Sunday. So we're going to talk a little bit more about how that could work. I think it would be great to have our um, car park available for like, first-time guests, people with young families, things like that. So if you feel like, you know what, I'm happy to park, say, a five-minute walk away from the church building, get my steps in. Okay, that's just for me. And um, I'd, I've, I've thought about we should get some golf buggies. What about golf buggies? Yeah? <laughs> We are applying for, uh, applying for a zebra crossing, or a pelican crossing, isn't it, on the Clough Road, so that's, uh, we're doing some work on that. But um, that's a, a fantastic. We've got an extra um, car parking space there. Um, I'll talk more about this next week, but obviously we all need team, uh, extra team. It'll be great if every single person in our church served once a month. So we're asking, once a month, every single one of us um, serves the church. And finally, we will be sending, I think this is the first time in the history of our church we've ever done this. It might be the last, I don't know. We're going to actually be sending a short survey out in a couple of weeks. Um, No, it's not in a couple of weeks. It's the week after bonfire night. And... um, on that survey will there be a handful of questions, and this will really help us get a feel as to which service people may like to come to. So it's not like the Ten Commandments, 
It's not once you've said, you know, like 9.30, you will make sure you're 9.30. You can change your mind, you can try them out, do whatever. It's just to give us an idea. And the main reason for that is to help us with kids' church and youth church. It's to give us an idea with leaders and uh, logistics. So if we can bless them by doing that, and we'll also have a few other questions to help us. And then over the next three months, because we've got three months to kind of drill down the detail on this, team leaders will be in touch with um, those who are serving about their particular ministries. So next week, I'm going to give some more detail. I'm going to respond with some frequently asked questions, but feel free this week to email in at hello at hullvineyard.co.uk if you have a specific question that you would like to email in, and that will probably help us because we only know what we know. And so if we can learn and help listen to the church and some of the thoughts, then that will be really, really appreciated. Also, I'll talk a bit about our theme for next year and some of the things that the Lord is speaking to us about. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.